It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780, live online at SportsTimeMaine.com. My name is Aaron Morse, talking local high school sports and, of course, the Boston Celtics, along with uh, college rowing. We've got the head coach of the Bates Rowing Programs, men and women, on at 11 a.m. Peter Steenstra to talk about their remarkable success especially this year and in recent years as well i'm filling in for maddie b today hope everyone's having a good wednesday and obviously first things first we're going to have ryan palmer on in about four minutes he'll be calling in to talk some high school baseball uh he's obviously very familiar with the mountain valley conference and everything going on there the head coach over there at darago high school but um obviously the headlines right now and he's a celtics guy so we'll talk some celtics with him as well uh celtics winners 107 to 94 over the Cavaliers last night to take a two games to none series lead. They were trailing at halftime and then outscored Cleveland 36 to 22 in the third quarter and put it away, outscoring them 23 to 17 in the fourth quarter. 23 points for Brown in that one to lead the way for Boston, 15 for Hortford. Uh, Morris had 12, Tatum had 11, Rozier had 18. Um, so the starters were outstanding, smart with 11 points. Off the bench, nine assists, five rebounds, four steals. Pretty all-around terrific effort, especially considering LeBron James had 42 points, right, Coach? <laughs> well, LeBron James started the game. Everything he, Every shot he took went in. It was crazy. And you had this awful feeling that he's going to blow us. They're going to blow us out. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually uh, that leveled off a little bit. And uh, the Celtics never give up. And they, they tried different people on him, wore him down. And I, I really thought the key was in the second half, they did it some in the first half, but he didn't notice it as much. In the second half, even when Cleveland had guys back to prevent a fast break, the Celtics drove right through him and laid it in or drove to the hoop, dished it back outside for an easy, uncontested three. I thought at the end of the game, LeBron especially and Cleveland in general, they were tired. I thought the Celtics ran them off the court. And when you think about it, we haven't seen the Celtics run that much. They've been a little more of a half-court team. Take your time, get a good shot, somebody drive to the basket. pass the. They, they're great as a team. They pass the ball around and so on. Last night, they ran Cleveland off the court. They really did. Here's what Brad Stevens told his team before the game. Full talent flow. Champions do ordinary things better than everybody else does. The other day was the best transition defensive game against the Cavs that I've ever seen the team play. We need to continue to have that mindset. We'll make some errors in the half court, but we'll do it playing hard. But just make them play against our half court. Do everything that we've set out to do to take transition away, take second chance away. Everything else will work itself out. Champions do ordinary things better than everybody else does them, and right now Boston's looking like that. Well, you know, because I love all of a sudden in the papers they're saying these star-studded Celtics. Really, <laughs> where, where you guys been all year? We, we're losing. We've lost our two best players. Now, do we have talented people? Absolutely, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't trade. Normally, you wouldn't trade that roster for. Toronto's or some other team that have superstars on it right now, the way this this is constituted right now. But uh, they play well as a team. Every night somebody else steps up. The other, it's been Tatum the whole playoffs. So last night Tatum got eleven. Not really a huge factor. Brown was the big the big gun. He and Rozier, 
and Al Horford. Al Horford has been a revelation during the playoffs. Yeah, double double. He's been the he's been the veteran. They they showed a clip of a practice the other day, and um, Brad Stevens blew the whistle, and how Al Horford was explaining to Tatum where to position himself defensively during this the way that the thing was uh, was showing itself the the offense the team was running and. Not the coach. It was Al Horford being the veteran leadership, you know, helping out the young kids or whatever. Um, they didn't do. Uh, they didn't get the the Lakers number two or three pick like we hoped they did last night in the lottery. Oh, <laughs> that kind of fell apart. And and one little one little worry: the Kings had the second pick, which means they're going to get a Marvin Bagley the third or somebody like that, which is going to make them much better. Because we want them to be in the lottery, but not get the number one pick. Because otherwise, we have their pick. So we'd like to be able to, just like the last night, we'd like to be able to take their pick and run with it. So a little disappointing there. You know, we, we haven't had the lottery luck, and um, and eventually that that Brooklyn trade for Garnett and Pierce is not going to keep paying dividends. Eventually, it's <laughs> it's. Uh, not going to happen. Looks like we do have the caller here. So Got the caller coming in. I'll add, I'll add lib while you're, right. <laughs> while you're get, get, He's connecting with Ryan Palmer, the uh, baseball coach at Dirigo High School, and one of our Gleason uh, Media and NBR Radio um, broadcasters. He does a lot of of football uh, play-by-play. He does basketball play-by-play. And he's on the line now. Ryan Palmer, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. How are you guys doing? Good, good. As a big Celtics guy, you've got to be on cloud nine right now, right? <laughs> What's that? As a big Celtics guy, you must be on cloud nine right now, I right? Am, I am on cloud nine. And I'm going to tell you, I think my mind has changed a little bit. You know, you, you've been hearing these rumors about, oh, they could go get Kawhi Leonard, they could go get Anthony Davis. I don't think this team needs to do a darn thing. You're going to get Kyrie and Hayward back. Why not keep the, you have a good chance of going to the, you know, the finals with a team that you have. Why, why disrupt that? Yeah, Manny and I've talked about that. Why, why disrupt that? He says that with the expiring contract, the uh, people impending free agency, that he's not going to be able to keep everybody because he can't sign them all. But I think bringing in a Kawhi Leonard or somebody like that makes it worse. You yeah, know, I, you, you take I an agree. eighteen unless you trade him for for uh, Kyrie Irving, eighteen million and eighteen million, you know that kind of thing. And when yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. Leonard and uh, Kyrie both have identical contracts. Yes. I read that right. Yeah, it's but still. I mean, I mean, it's uh, all these these younger players, you know, like Rozier and and Brown and Tatum. Look at the playoff experience they're getting, and they're performing. They're not even playing like rookie or second year players there. No, and you know, amazing. It's fun to watch. I was saying that uh, this morning we're hearing all this talk on the on ESPN and et cetera, saying, "Oh, the star-studded Celtics, really?" Because you haven't been saying that all year. Uh, and we've lost our two best players. You know, it was really dramatic last night. Uh, I heard him talking about it in pregame, how long the Celtics are and how athletic. And I never really thought about it until you watch them last night. They they ran In the second half, they ran Cleveland out. Oh, of course they did. Cleveland was exhausted. And at, at first, I was, you know, the, the comments that Marcus Morris made about how he could guard LeBron and all of us. I'm thinking myself before the series started. You might not want to be saying that. <laughs> no poke the bear. Up to it. <laughs> this is a very lived up to it. This is a very sports talk type question here. But is Cleveland cooked? Are they done? Can they pack it in? <laughs> I, I I don't think so. I okay. Think you, you still have to worry a little bit going to Cleveland. And I think we saw that in in the Philadelphia series. Yeah. Boston took two 
went to Philadelphia year and dropped both of them, and then it's two to two. Now it's a whole new ball game again. I think I think the Celtics, if if the Celtics can't win one in Cleveland, I think the game the series goes seven games. Yeah, I I think I think the thing is. Uh, LeBron gave us his best shot last night. He, is there any way he can play any better than that? Now, I don't think so. They complained that he took the easy way. He took a lot of jump shots instead of driving to the lane over and over, which you, I don't care. Even when you're successful, you take a beating. You're going to get you're going to get hit hip to hip. You're going to get a forearm. You're going to get whatever. I think he took the easy way. The problem was he was hot. He the couldn't. problem with, with him being hot is if their, their role players, like a J.R. Smith, like a, uh, a Kyle Korver, haven't gotten going yet at all. No, J.R. Smith, not existent, so zero points. They get going. <laughs> yeah. Smith, as he just said, Smith got zero points. In 27 minutes, 0-7 from the floor, 0-4 from three. There was a, They cut it from a Saturday Night Live skit, but they had a skit um, making fun of all of Cleveland's role players a few weeks ago. They didn't actually air it, but it was online, and... It's pretty accurate. There's there's not much of a backup there for LeBron in Cleveland. It's one of his worst supporting cast, probably, right? Well, yeah, I, I would have to agree. And I, if, if if the Cleveland doesn't win the series, I think I think LeBron's done. In oh, he's done. You see him go somewhere else. I think he's done anyway. You think he goes to L.A.? Yeah, I think L.A. I could be silly. You never know. I it's LeBron. He'd probably go wherever he wants. I guess. Yeah. If the money's right. If he's but, gonna... uh, another thing, when we talk about NBA officiating, because I know how much Wing loves officiating. <laughs> There is that push in the back on on uh, on um, yeah, his name Horford. Is uh, Horford has got to be a flagrant two. Oh, That's absolutely. That's how somebody gets hurt. Absolutely. Now, when they get a flagrant two, what's the penalty? They're they're out, they're out of the game. I think it's an ejection. Yeah, you know the officials are all like. That, that's a big call in a playoff game, and they hate to make that kind of a call. It's like a penalty shot in hockey. Hate to make it, but it's got to be made. Yeah, that's that's how somebody gets hurt and low back like that, and you know, hey. Taylor right out of bounds in the air. And don't you love? I mean, uh, uh, Horford, sorry. Don't you love uh, Marcus Smart's re- response to that baby? Well, I actually get a little bit of credit to Tristan Thompson for grabbing Smart from behind because if he's not there to grab him from behind, Marcus Smart was hot. I I think something more could happen there if he was yeah. grabbed. Yeah, I agree. They said that on the broadcast too. I think you're right. If he doesn't, if he doesn't. Uh, Corral him. He, we could be into one. But I mean, if if game three or game four start to get out of hand, I could see J.S. Smith with, uh, with another cheap shot somewhere. Oh yeah, that's the kind of player he is. Yep. Yep. So we don't think Cleveland's cooked. They still got a shot in this, although obviously because it's going back to Cleveland now after Boston dominated at home. Uh, Ryan, I understand you were you were at game one. What was that experience like to watch it all in person? Well, that was that was my uh, my fifth playoff game of the year. Okay. If, so you, if you want to know. <laughs> You're quite nice. the loyal follower than traveler down there to Boston. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't need my GPS anymore. I know where I'm going, <laughs> so that's good. Um, yeah, it was, it was electric. The, the, funny, the, the thing that I like about the garden, and it's kind of intriguing to me, is that you, we're sitting in our seats probably about 10 minutes before the game starts, and you look around, and there's so many empty seats. It's like, wow, where is everybody? Once the, once the introduction and the anthem happens, the lights come back on, and it's like everybody's in their seat now. The place is packed, and it's roaring, and just the electricity in the garden, the playoff atmosphere is something I can't describe. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, they, they were saying that for basketball, it these last couple of years, it has been unbelievable. Not so much for hockey. And this year, I mean, they, they were the uh, third best uh, record in the league, the whole league this year, uh, 
for the Bruins, and they said the the crowds are kind of eh, ho hum, you know, not. I mean, decent, but not like they are for the Celtics. Yeah, I, and I I've always wanted to be a part of a, a, a hockey playoff game too, when the place is electric like that. I bet that's a lot of fun as well. But it, I've been. It's it is fabulous. It really there's, is. There's nothing like the guy, especially the Celtics playing well in the playoffs, and you know, like that game they got up on on Cleveland in Game One early, and just you know didn't really let up, and oh my God, just took Cleveland right out of the game. What, uh, any surprises? I, I guess I was expecting Tatum to score more points. Um, any other surprises that you that you noticed during the game? Uh, it, it, it's not really a surprise. It just seems like when, when one person isn't playing all that well, somebody else is stepping up and doing it for them. You know, so it's, it's kind of, you really, you notice it if you look at the stats, but throughout the game you're like, wow, yeah, Tatum didn't score a lot, but did it really affect the game any? I mean, they still won by, you know, was it like a 24-point turnaround last night or whatever Yeah. But, I mean, no, I mean, I think Rogier was off a little bit in game one, but they won by almost 30. You know, Tatum off a little bit last night, and they turned it around and won by 13. It's, as far as surprises, uh, uh, no, I, I just, they're fun to watch. This, this, oh, go ahead, Coach. This series has really shown how, really, how athletic they are, and especially Brown. You know, he went by people guarding him like they were standing still, and... A couple of times I got he got down low and there were much bigger guys ready to block his shot, and he just elevated up, and right over the top of him. I, I was I was shocked at how athletic he is. It's it's and I I think it's, I mean it mind boggles me how Brad Stevens does not get a single coach of the year vote. I oh, cannot yeah. well, figure that out. They are but, so good at finding the mismatches during a play as well and getting the ball to that guy. I mean, how many times have you seen Horford to somebody a lot smaller on him and just back him down and ends up with a layup or a dunk? I mean, this is an unbelievable coaching mismatch, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, well, he's really coaching against LeBron, and LeBron's <laughs> having a hard time. Right, yeah. I, th- I think Ty- Tyron Lue's the best assistant coach in the league right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then Toronto, Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year and then gets fired. Yeah, you know. What, what is that? Isn't that incredible? That's brutal. That's what LeBron can do. He can end careers. Well, I, the word is, you know, in that last game, there, DeRozan, is it, didn't play the last 14 minutes. Right, and it sounds like he's lost him. Whatever player's words, leg, it's a player's. Yeah, leg. he's not going to listen to the coach. You might as well get rid of the coach because yeah. you're paying him with a long term contract. Uh, but so. it's, not, it's not the the coach's fault that his star players didn't show up those last two games. I mean, they didn't do anything. I mean, they laid laid, laid an egg. That's all on the coach. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, I I think they talked about it during the game last night that. We used to see LeBron drive the lane, and if he didn't have exactly what he wanted, he would dish to somebody in the corner. And in the pregame, they showed, I'm going to say, a half a dozen times right off the top, and they said we can find more if we want to, of him doing that, not having a great shot, but not dishing to wide-open guys in the corners. And, yeah, I mean, not only good at finding the mismatch, but good at finding the open Yeah, hands. and that's the great. NBA today. Drive and dish. If you've got a shot, great. If you don't, dish it to somebody for an open three. I said Kevin Durant's about the only guy now that I see that can drive and stop and take a pull-up jumper for two points and make it. The rest of them either go all the way to the hole or they like a wide-open three. There's no in-between. It's crazy. But, hey, I hate to cut this short, guys, but i got to get back to class. Okay. I actually work. You actually, you actually, work? You actually working? Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Wow, we didn't even get a chance to talk about baseball. I know, right? Maybe next time. Ryan Palmer, thanks so much for joining us here on the B-List Daily as he runs back to class. So he's at, he he coaches at Derrigo, but he doesn't. 
Well, he, I don't know. He's been an ed tech <laughs> at points in time. Yeah. There, back along, he was the rec director for the city, and then he came into education. Um, the, I think he did some long-term subbing, and they they moved him around to do cover for some people. Then he was an ed tech, so I'm not exactly sure what he's doing, but he's there pretty much every day. And At Derrigo. At Derrigo. Yeah, okay. He he texts us to fill in on answering some questions we might have, and okay. we have a little conversation with him. Yeah. And uh, we tell people what he's been saying. So he has it on his classroom. He has it on in yeah. his classroom. Yeah. Yeah. He's the head coach of the of the boys, uh, the baseball team over there. They're four and six right now. Uh, not in the playoffs at the moment. They do. They do have what? Four games left. He said they've so. got four games left. Yeah. Which you know you never know. Um, you know, you, you beat somebody. It's all about the heel points. You beat the right teams. You you don't need many wins because you it can put you in the tournament. So right, he's an excellent baseball coach. He's won a, he won a couple of state championships. Uh, he's young young coach still, and and uh, I think that he's facing what everybody's facing. Not a lot of kids. Mm. You know, first they cut JV baseball, all JV sports, but JV baseball out of the program at Dirigo to save money and so he raised the money to have a team but they 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 worried about whether or not they would allow him to do it so mm. he got kind of a late start by the time they gave him the approval and he raised the money the i'm not sure the word got out to all the kids you know you they're not sure it's right do, eh, i got a job and you know so on and so forth especially yeah. the young kids so anyway he he ended up not having a JV program after all. He, he's well, I shouldn't say that. He's got some kids. I think he's taking some of his younger kids in the varsity, maybe putting them together to play a couple games here and there. But not a, not a full season. Not this year. Home maybe. and away, home and away, like the, you know, Vasi's right. home, JV's away. Not doing that. But, yeah. uh, but uh, th- I'm really thankful to him for caring enough about the kids in that community yeah. to give them some things to do. And you know, people say, well, it's. It's selfish. He's just doing it for his program. Well, that's true. Isn't that what he's supposed to do? Number one, you're supposed to fight for your kids. And number two, yeah. so what? He it's given those kids an opportunity to be involved, and and uh, there's no question. You know, you want kids involved in things. You want them to have, you know, good vibe about being around school, being in school, and uh, sports or music or drama, math team, whatever it is that turns you on. You need. We need to have it going. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Edward Little High School baseball right now, eleven and zero, and in first place in Class A North. Their football team was tops in the regular season this year. Their basketball teams obviously won the state title, boys and girls, and now their baseball team is killing it. Also, I mean, <laughs> they've got something good going on over there. Yeah, they? we interviewed Dave Jordan uh, earlier, and he mm-hmm. he went down to his team. I think he was expecting that they would be decent, mm-hmm. and. Uh, He's been a good coach for a long time. I was kidding him uh, off the air. I remember uh, I, I coached with a. I was the principal when when Jeff Wright was a student there, a kid from Oak Hill. Jeff came back and is coaching at Oak Hill. But when they were both in college, they took over a Babe Ruth team mm-hmm. and coached them together. And so he's got coaching his blood. He's been doing it a long time, even yeah. when he was in college and. Uh, he coached at, uh, I think he coached at Poland. I think he was an assistant at Bates. Okay. At a point in time before you. Uh, <laughs> he was the head coach at Lewiston. Uh, took them to a state championship. Uh, and um, now he's at EL. He had a good year last year. They they kind of stubbed their toe in the playoffs. So I don't know what that was all about. But 
they they've beaten the good teams, and it's it's Bangor, uh, Edward Little, uh, Oxford Hills, Lewiston. Those have been the top four teams yeah. in the north. And um, normally you would expect uh, Portland and Wyndham maybe to be in there. And, and Portland's uh, good in the south. Yeah, they're yeah. Uh, seven and one right now in the yeah. south. Um, so let's see, Wyndham is seven and two. And then South Portland is also doing well. They're seven and two, yeah. also. Um, so. We, of course, when the playoffs start, will we'll undoubtedly yeah. be covering Oxford Hills, Edward Little, Lewiston. Oh yeah, Wyndham if they're in it. Yeah, uh, Wyndham looks good right now. Normally, Edward Little softball has been. Yeah, uh, I was looking DeRose at softball. Roseby has been a great. Uh, she's done a good job with that program, and normally you would expect them to be right at the top. They're in and playoff they're, positioning. Yeah, but they're in the playoffs. I've said for a long time, you, you need to get in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you never know in high school sports. Once you're in, you know, the second Especially ba- softball because oh, one yes. pitcher. Second baseman yeah. boots the ball and they scored two runs in the bottom of the seventh and boom, yeah. you know, you never know. So Higgins 9-0 and in Class A. Yeah, you know, they have been uh, a kid named, uh, I'm trying to think of what Johnson's first name is. I'm not going to come up with it. He was a student when I was uh, a coach in Skowhegan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would never have picked him as somebody who would come back and want to coach, and especially coach softball. And uh, but you know he's been there quite a while now. He's still a young kid, but well, young kid. Everybody's a young kid compared to me. But um, he their, their program has been as good as anybody's the last ten years. Um, they're constantly right there. Uh, he won a state championship with a freshman pitcher and a freshman freshman catcher. Wow. And the program is so good that the freshman pitcher is not always the pitcher. Mm-hmm. They've got another gal that kind of has outdistanced her. Wow. As she's a junior or senior now. I can't remember which it is. I think maybe junior. And and, the, and that girl plays someplace else. I mean, they just have a really good team. What they've run into is they either win the state championship or they lose to Scarborough. That's, that's lost to been, Scarborough last year. That's kind of been the way it's been. And I think yeah. two years before that, they lost to Scarborough. It just... Uh, that's Scarborough's been their 12 and 0, so yeah. they're uh, headed yeah. towards a showdown again, it sounds like. Skowhegan and Scarborough. <laughs> yeah, we did, uh, Mike Walker and I did uh, Skowhegan Edward Little game last year. Uh, Skowhegan won that one, a coast one, I think, and then uh, lost in the state. So, Oxford yeah, Hills they, is right there also. No, by no, the Oxford Hills is really good. 8 and 1, and last year they lost only 5 to 4 to Skowhegan in the regional finals. So. Yeah. I think we did that one too, didn't we? I you believe I. so. Yeah, yeah, Oxford Hills. This is a team that watch out for them in baseball and softball. Was that the game that we got the uh, the softball? And, there and was a game softball and the, it was at Oxford Hills. I'm pretty sure. The end of our nose and it hit the computer and yeah. smashed it. And yeah, that was quite a little. <laughs> Folks, we were at Oxford Hills doing a game. The two of us and the people Oxford next Hills. to us didn't have a screen in front of them. They were doing the keeping the scoreboard, announcing the batter and all that stuff. And we kind of kidding about, hey, you guys don't have a screen in front of you. Honestly, I got about two pitches later, softball, foul ball right up, hits the screen, brings the screen and everything right into our faces. Yeah. We look down at the laptop that we that we Skype off from. Huge. I um, want to say that was a game against Lawrence. It was one of those playoff games. No, so. it might have been. You know, yeah. it might have been. <laughs> Lawrence made it was a playoff game. Underdog run. And, uh, yeah, we got a little... Come up and sign that one. 
Last year, Lawrence, as a 10 seed, beat number 7 seed Mesolonsky, then beat number 2 seed Edward Little, and then Oxford Hills ended their run in a game we called 4-1 to to go to the regional yeah, there final. There go. See, so my, my memory was a little bad. No, no, you were good. It was last year's playoffs, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And yeah, the, the foul ball came through the netting and hit the computer and left a big mark there. But uh. well, It's been a, pretty much a tradition for... Some of us to go to Oxford Hills to do games. Oh because yeah, because they're always in it. Yeah, they, all of their sports are always contenders. And we as well. did their baseball, a couple of their baseball games last year. Mm-hmm. So or at least one that. Well, I Colton remember. Carson, of course, he, his best sport is baseball. So. And they're back. This is, uh, I think, they've been either second or third. Uh, Bangor, Bangor, and Oxford have been going back and forth. Yeah, them and Edward Little. Those are yeah, those, those are the, are the top three. baseball teams right now. Yeah. And Lewiston's there as well in the middle there. So. Yeah, it should be a fun playoff season. We'll that, have that covered for you. That's an interesting one. Uh, Darren Hartley is the new baseball coach at Lewiston. Mm-hmm. And his son, of course, is the the big power hitter and et cetera for Edward Little. So I think somebody asked him, because uh, they played really early on, maybe either the first or second game of the year, they played each other. And both he and his son said it was a little weird realizing he's over there and you know all right. my dad's over there and that is you know that awkward. kind of stuff yeah. that's kind of a that's a tough one you know it's kind of like serena and venus williams right you know? they that, always hated playing each other yeah it's, hated playing each other must be miserable for your folks for right. the folks yeah even even when my son and daughter were in college you know my my son um used to do the stats and and whatever for the field hockey team and and they play my daughter's team well, mm-hmm. I'm definitely cheering for my daughter, right? You know, but, but it, it's interesting when they're split up like that. Well, on the other side of this break, we're going to talk some Major League Baseball. Robinson Cano, Ooh, former bad. Yankee, has been suspended for a masking agent, an illegal substance, for 80 games. When we'll talk a little bit about that and some other highlights from around the world of Major League Baseball when we come back here on the B List Daily. This is Sports Time 780 and live online SportsTimeMaine.com. Culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com forward slash ortho. Remember when your kids spent vacation week telling you how bored they were? Yeah, you're going to have to have a whole summer of that. Until you remember. Registration is now open for University of Southern Maine's summer camps. They've got basketball, they've got soccer, they've got ice hockey, and they have a ton more. I haven't even scratched the surface on this. Find the registration links now. Go to usm.maine.edu. That's usm.maine.edu. And search summer camps. University of Southern Maine summer camps where kids should spend the summer. We believe in better. 
a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call WAVE today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800- 800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online at sportstimemain.com. 
Thanks to Ryan Palmer for calling in and uh, talking to some NBA earlier. The Boston Celtics, obviously, on a roll right now, up two games to none in their series with Cleveland. Although Ryan said he thinks it might go seven if Boston doesn't get one in Cleveland, which is a possibility. We'll have to wait and see. But right now, so far, so good for the Celtics. Major League Baseball, Boston Red Sox recently have dropped two straight. They're one game back of the white-hot New York Yankees, who have the best record in baseball. That's an understatement. 28-12. and The Yankees have won eight of their last ten games. They are on a roll. It's quite the battle in the AL East. Now, because of the way the playoffs work, the Red Sox are probably going to make the playoffs anyway because of the wild card. Because you get two wild card teams, but you want to avoid that. You don't. Manny wanna... wants us to be in the wild card so we can see what it's like to have your whole season come down to <laughs> one, one game. game. Yeah. <laughs> and so you two so, wild card you. teams. Thank you, Maddie. We really appreciate it. <laughs> have to play a one game playoff, and uh, so I think I mean either both the Red Sox and Yankees will probably make the playoffs. We can probably say that now. It's interesting because baseball is a long season, but the way that everything's shaping up this year, you can already tell who's good and who's bad. There's not going to be a team that makes a late run. I don't think. Yeah, I think baseball more than any of the others. I mean, you always have the, you know, Buffalo and hockey just hasn't been able to mount anything lately. But for the most part, yeah, they're still fairly competitive and whatever. But boy, baseball, it's such a long season. I think teams just get mentally discouraged. And you know you're not going to compete against uh, those top echelon teams and you just fade away. Yeah, and... Looking at the National League, by the way, the L.A. Dodgers were supposed to be good, like really good. They've lost five in a row. They are 16-25. and 25. They are eight and a half games back of first place Arizona in the NL West. So that's one big surprise in the National League. And I would say in the American League, the big surprise is Cleveland is struggling. They're in first place, but they're 20-21, and 21, only a half game ahead of Minnesota. So the AL Central, just a mediocrity. But the elite teams are pretty clear right now. Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, Angels. Um, in the National League, you can probably put um, Arizona as one of the elite teams. The National League a little bit wide open, I think. The American League... The haves and have-nots are clear. One team on the border just got a huge hit, and not in a good way. A hit to their chances. The Seattle Mariners at 24-17, and one and a half games back of the Astros in the AL West, playing better than I think people thought to start the season, especially since they had injuries earlier. Robinson Cano, who a couple days ago actually broke a bone and is out anyway, injured for a while, um, was then, just like a day or two later, it was announced that he's been suspended for 80 games for violating the Major League Baseball uh, performance-enhancing drug policy, um, pro- prohibited substances, whatever you want to call it. He tested positive for a masking agent, which is not in itself a performance-enhancing drug, but hides the fact that you yeah, might be cleans, doing performance-enhancing Cleans drugs. out the system. It's, it's interesting, like, why would you, I mean, if it, why would you take such a thing if that could be detected? Like, what's the point? Like, you're hiding something. I mean, you're going to get suspended either way. Uh, so, 80 games. Cano says he got a prescription from a doctor in the Dominican Republic. Obviously did not check with the Mariners about it. And then tested positive. And he's known about this the whole year. The Mariners did not know, but he knew. And he's been playing the best baseball of his life. And uh, in recent years, at least, you know, age 35, better than we could have thought. And now he's suspended for 80 games and even worse for the Mariners. If they make the playoff, which is a big if right now, uh, he won't be eligible to play, which is one of the newer rules to discourage performance enhancing drugs. But Cano got caught up in it. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, People are saying, oh, it's going to ruin his legacy. He's no longer going to go in the Hall of Fame. Do you think that's the case? I, uh, 
I've I've said for a long time I'm a purist. I I'll preface it by saying I understand why it happens, but I I wouldn't vote for him for the Hall of Fame. I I understand that people say, hey, look, he's good anyway, and maybe this is the first time he ever made a mistake. Yeah, all those things may be true. Um, I wouldn't vote for him. I. But I do understand. You know, I, we talked about this before we started today. Um, if you if you're an aging veteran like he is, who's had a stellar career, yeah, a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame type career, uh, and you start to fade a little bit, you get a little panicky, and you you want to stay on top. You you want to continue to make the big money, and or you want to show to the team. I can still do it, so your faith in me and give me that big, long-term, expensive contract, I'm worth it. You know, there's all the different reasons that somebody right. wants to, to stay at the top. Just pride, if nothing else. Yeah. And so I understand how that can happen, that you you say, I, I, I'm falling, I, I, got, I got to do something. And I see the other end of the spectrum where the young kid comes in and uh, his teammate, he knows is, is uh, taking PEDs and... He just signed a $100 million contract, and they just gave you the bare minimum. And you're thinking, you know, if I hit 15 more home runs by taking PEDs, I can get the big contract. And suddenly they step over the line. So I don't like it. I, I guess I can understand it. I don't, I don't ever know what we're going to do with it. Well, here's a question. Do you think the penalties need to be harsher, or is 80 games plus you can't play in the playoffs um, enough? For a first-time offender. Well, you know, we used to say in school, you know, kids skip school a couple of times. You know what you do? Suspend them, which means he's home. What do you? What do you wanted to be in the first <laughs> yeah, place? Yeah, he wanted to skip school. Used to say, well, that punishment <laughs> didn't really work. Well, Cano's uh, also losing a lot of money. No, he always going to lose yeah. eleven million dollars. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, um, I don't know. I mean, look at the prisons. Is is. Knowing you're going to prison for the rest of your life enough a deterrent? Evidently not. So, is it is it that? Um, I mean, okay. So we say starting next year, if you get caught with PEDs, what if uh, what if you get caught? You're, all, you're done. You're done playing baseball forever. Right now, it's three strikes, and that happens. That's happened to one player. But yeah, um, I I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is because you know what you know. What if you ban the team he was on from the playoffs? <laughs> What if someone does well, it? And that way you're hurting more than just yourself. It certainly would have the teams doing more checking. Yes. You know, you know, I think the thing that, that happened, and I'm a I'm a union guy, even though I was an administrator. I, I think unions we need them because otherwise employees just get run over. Right. I and mean, we've seen that through history. Yeah. But the but the baseball players union as as opposed to the NFL, the NFL players union association might as well go home. They've done nothing to protect their players through the years. It's rough. Baseball is on the way on the other end of the spectrum. They were. It seems they, like they they've weakened. done so many things to yeah. to block. I mean, they still will not give in on allowing. In the minor leagues, you can't chew tobacco. In the majors, you still can. Oh, Boston took Boston Park. Passed a thing saying in our park you can't chew tobacco. They do it anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think the union. Clean up you... I think the yeah. I think the and it's not healthy. The union has said no. It's a working condition, and we're not letting it. So anyway, they've been very strong, and they have not. They've not given in on any of those things. So they've although for the testing, they they agreed with. That. I think they finally had to. I think Congress was going to step in, and I think <laughs> they felt like we better do something. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is. There's always going to be cheaters. There's always going to be somebody that's a step and a half ahead of the testing. And I don't know if the testing's not random enough cuz you're not going to tell me Cano's the only one. What have they caught? 3 people this year? Yeah, Cano's the major one they've caught. Oh, yeah. I don't I haven't So, paid. are you telling me they're that's it? They're the only ones right. that are involved I mean, in it? I don't think so. I think you'll find that there's a lot more of it going on to just not catching it. So, I don't know what the answer is. You know, you could, I think you could test them till the cows come home. I think you could make the punishments more. I think you have to determine when somebody steps over the line like that, what is it worth to them right? versus what would the punishment be? And the sad thing is for the Mariners is that this really does hurt their playoff hopes. I mean, because oh. you're looking at, they had a realistic shot at a wild card bid if they could Fish ahead of Anaheim, basically. Sure. L.A., the Angels. Because you're looking at Yankees or Red Sox in the East, and then the other team will get the wild card. The Central's a mess, so probably only division winner there. And then the West, you have your probably Houston will probably win the division. And then either Seattle or L.A. would get that other wild card. And, I mean, even if they do get the other wild card now, then the playoffs, your superstars, I think, matter more. And they wouldn't have them. I think the playoff ban is really, really – even if they get there, they probably won't get past the wild card game. But – um. So, yeah, uh, tough one certainly there out west uh, for the Mariners. But definitely, uh, I mean, the Red Sox, even though they've been struggling recently, what are your thoughts on their play so far? I mean, obviously one of the best records right now in baseball, the second best to only their division rival. Well, I think I got to believe getting Pedroia back will help. Uh, I think uh, Nunez has been okay at second. He's he's definitely not a gem as a defender. His defensive liabilities are pretty big. Uh, I worry about, as you always do with the Red Sox, their pitching. Um, the starting pitching, you, you start the season just like last year. It looks like it's fantastic. And then Price has got the, – we went through the list the other day of all the things that he's – you know, he doesn't like cut grass. He doesn't – I mean, he's got more things that screw him it's up. kind of high maintenance. I, I Yeah, I think Sale, Sale is trying to pitch to contact so he doesn't – throw so many pitches trying to strike people out, but he's striking people out anyway. And he makes that one mistake a game, and the Red Sox, every time he pitches, they don't hit. Um, Porcello drives me crazy. The guy has got super stuff. He is a sinker ball pitcher, and if you know anything about that, it's a different way. You have to grip the ball differently, and you have to angle your wrist differently. And when he's doing it, he's almost unhittable. But what does he do? He gets the idea that I can strike somebody out if I throw the high fastball. And suddenly he's given up five hits and four runs and he's out of the game. And it's like, what are you doing? Now, that's simplistic. Clearly, he's still throwing his sinker. But sinker is one of those pitches as you continue to mix it. you got to be really good at it because then you mix your your arm angle and everything up. You know, in other words, you get – it's like – if you throw a lot of sliders, then you try to throw your fastball, it slows your fastball down because you're not using quite the same technique. And then Rodriguez, one game he's fantastic, next game he can't get anybody out. And then after that, they've tried a bunch of people, but the bullpen, Carson Smith, just separated his shoulder, throwing his glove after a poor outing. You don't want to do that. You don't want to and cut yourself so, out of frustration. Just to not have that. No. <laughs> so he's out for 10 days. Yeah. Um, they're just getting uh, Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer, back from a, a disciplinary situation. 
So I don't know. I, I think they've got they've got the makings all around the field. They don't know quite what to do with Jackie Bradley Jr. He just looks like he's going to be such a good hitter, but he can't hit. And it's not that he doesn't get hits. He strikes out. At least if you doesn't make, everyone now though everyone strikes. No, it's out true. Now. Yeah. If you don't make them play the ball, then you're cooked. You you know you can't help your team. Uh, and the Red Sox don't bunt, so they're not going to be able to bunt. Around everywhere else, they seem to be pretty pretty strong. They're playing Martinez in the outfield right now and setting Jackie Bradley some games. Uh, Hanley Ramirez has hit better than I thought he would. Um, you know, they're a good team. Uh, I don't know. They haven't had a lot of adversity. Right. They get That's creeping in with Price and now Carson Smith. They're bringing one of the kids back up from the minors. Uh so I think there's no doubt they're going to make the playoffs. They, I think so. I, I would be shocked if yeah. they don't. The only question is, will they win the East? Well, here's the, here's the thing that Maddie rubs so in my nose in every day <laughs> is the Red Sox are $50 million higher payroll than anybody else. Mm-hmm. They better win. Well, otherwise, what do you – I mean, I know they got Pablo's big salary. They got – they got uh, Hanley Ramirez, big salary. I don't think Maddie can talk about. I mean, the Yankees spent tons of money. Well, in the old days. Well, they still spent tons of money, though. They spent. Yeah, but they're fourth. <laughs> they're, fourth they're fourth right now. So I think that oh, makes okay. him pound his chest. Yeah. <laughs> Top four no, spending seriously. Teams on their teams. big four hitters, they're, they're spending more than some of the teams down at the bottom of the, yeah. you know. Well, the one team that's really not getting the bang for their buck is the Dodgers over there in the NL. I mean, they're 16 and 25 right now. Losing five in a row. Kershaw's on the DL. Seager's out for the year. What a mess over there in LA for the Dodgers. And the third baseman, who normally is pretty good, Turner hasn't, hit, hasn't, yeah, he hasn't, hasn't hit. played yet. Um, so that, it could be worse <laughs> for every well, team. <laughs> the, the thing with, with that is, uh, and I like Dave Roberts. You know, he's that 2004 link for us where he stole the sure. base. Yeah. He didn't do anything else. He did that. But you and, know that would and, never happen today. No team would risk a stolen base in that situation today. Especially Dave Roberts would not yeah. risk that. He and, would not call for a stolen base and, in that situation. And uh, last year, I thought he did a great job with the Dodgers. He's figured out, I guess, how to how to manage uh, Yasiel Puig, who's been you know an, an enigma. You know, he's he's potentially a great player, but he's been up and down. He's and on he's my a, fancy team, believe me. It's very frustrating. He's kind of a pain, <laughs> he's kind of a pain. So. You know, but I you know very well the 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 uh, they'll be out after him. The boo birds will be out after him, and then eventually people will start to say, "Why do we need this guy?" Yeah, I mean they have high expectations there, and it's falling apart a bit. But the AL seems to be pretty set right now with the Angels, Astros, Cleveland. Even though they're struggling, but they're still in first, and that division's terrible. Boston and New York seem to be the clear cut favorites in the playoff coming up for the playoffs, and we're only in May. We still have like months and months to go. But it seems like it's already been determined because so many teams are just, I don't want to say tanking, but maybe not trying to win right now. Which... Well, it's interesting. Uh, we had a guy from uh, Major League Baseball Report. I can't remember what his name was. I, I feel bad about that. Well, we had Seth Everett on yeah. the phone. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. He, he came in and because and, we asked him, what is what is Tampa doing with three starters in one day where you just use relievers? And he said, look, let's look at it this way. They sat down before the season and said, guess what, boys? We ain't going anywhere. Right. We get the Red Sox and Yankees out of us. They have no chance. So this is a this is a bridge year, a transition. What can we do? We, we're not going to be able to go out and get another starter because we can't afford it. So they said, let's try this. And he, he actually applauded them for that, said, you know, it's not a bad idea. 
each one of those guys gets a chance, you know, boop, boop, and there's a little rotation going there with the relievers. And I don't know, he, he was kind of fired up about it, saying he thought it was potentially a wave of the future. It's almost like a what I call a an ancillary piece of Moneyball. Remember, Moneyball, instead of getting Aaron Morse, the big home run hitter, <laughs> they got two guys Who that combined. could hit some home runs right. combined. Yeah. And so they replaced his. They called it, I don't know what the hell they called it. In the aggregate. Yeah, in the aggregate. There as you go. Billy Veen, as yeah. Brad Pitt said in the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, by the way, he hated that movie. But uh, Billy but Bean that, hated the movie? No, that, no, Seth. Oh, Seth ever hated the movie. But, he liked the book, though. The book yeah, really he liked good. the book. The book is good. The book's but, really good. But uh, um, I don't know. T- I, Matty feels that a lot of teams are tanking already. Well, it, it, they see it, they see it work. The Cubs were really bad before they became really good. Yeah. The Astros were really bad before they became really but good. But there's a difference between tanking and the Cubs. They didn't spend the kind of money they've spent since Theo's been there. Well, the Cubs used to spend money, just not very wisely. Yeah, but not, well, wisely <laughs> not. No, that's that's probably a better point. That's true. The sad thing about the Cubs is they were trying to win for years and years. Yeah, good point. <laughs> they did not. And but Theo, obviously the the wonder child, who I realized became GM of the Red Sox, age thirty. That's how old I am right now. Why am I not the GM of the Red Sox? What's wrong with me? Well, you could be. Why not? <laughs> what am I doing wrong <laughs> with the, my uh, life? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, he got lucky. They, so uh, Dan Duquette had already signed Manny Ramirez. He had some good players. Now, inherited, whether you, no doubt. yeah, whether you like Manny Ramirez as a coach, he would have driven me to drink. <laughs> as a fan watching a right hand batter, he may be the best of all time. He was as so fun batters. to watch, he was unbelievable. Yeah, they said that he would say, "I'm going to let him. I'm going to swing at the first uh, fastball and let him think he can throw it by me, and then I'm going to. I mean, he'd say stuff like that. <laughs> Whack! Off it would go. Right. But anyway, talk about PED problems. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. Well, he he does a positive twice, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, later in his at career. least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I I don't know what you're gonna do. You know, my wife loves to say, and when I say something like, "Wow, this is a big series," she goes, "Sweetie, sweetie, there's 120 games left. <laughs> there's calm, a lot. Calm down. A lot of baseball." You know? And she's right. The season is too long. I swear. What should it be? Right now, no, it's 162. I, should it be 154? Well, like it used to be. They're never going to change it because it, they're so. Money. Well, money, <laughs> money, no yeah. question. And they're so ingrained in statistics in baseball. I mean, he hits best on Sunday well, afternoons when it's sunny. Remember out, you know, when Roger Maris hit those 61 home runs? They had just expanded the season, and the commissioner wanted to put an asterisk oh, on yeah. it because he did it in more eight games. more games more than games. Babe Ruth did yeah. his. Yeah. So. No, Babe statistic- Ruth did his against a bunch of white people, and Roger Maris no, did it against. And, and really, no game. relief pitchers. Yeah. Think about it. There's no, I mean, nobody's a relief pitcher. They, the guys want the distance, right? And so, third time around the order, you were going to get a fairly, a, even fourth time around the order, you're going to have a much better chance. But now they don't let pitchers face hitters third time around. Mike Cayley, by the way, Mister Yankee, yeah, wanted me when I did my Red Sox uh, Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. He said, "What? Not Babe Ruth?" I mean, it's interesting. I said, "I can't do that," but you know. He was a standing pitcher. Two and, world championships, yeah. and he set a record in the major leagues in the World Series for pitching at the time. Yeah, but I could. I said no way. I can't. Not yeah, not enough longevity with the Red Sox. Well, I don't know, he, but he, I could. His prime no was way. with the Yankees. No way I could do Obviously, it. Obviously, we saw what happened there. <laughs> We're gonna take another break. When we come back, we'll have the head coach of the Bates men's and women's rowing teams, Peter Steenstra, who's in studio with us. 
and there is no more dominating uh, collegiate rowing program, arguably, in the country right now than Bates College. So you'll want to hear this interview on the other side of the break. This is the B-List Daily Sports Time 780, live online at sportstimemain.com. I'm Maine, WTME, AM 780, Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. Remember when your kids spent vacation week telling you how bored they were? Yeah, you're going to have to have a whole summer of that. Until you remember. Registration is now open for University of Southern Maine's summer camps. They've got basketball, they've got soccer, they've got ice hockey, and they have a ton more. I haven't even scratched the surface on this. Find the registration links now. Go to usm.maine.edu. That's usm.maine.edu and search summer camps. University of Southern Maine summer camps where kids should spend the summer. We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee 
tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780, live online at sportstimemain.com. My name is Aaron Morse, filling in for Matty B on this Wednesday morning. Coach Dave Wing in studio with us as usual. Happy to be joined by a very special guest, the head coach of the Bates uh, men's and women's rowing teams, uh, Peter Steenstra. And for those of you who don't know, Bates College right here in Lewiston has some tremendous rowing. And last weekend... You, uh, last Friday, I should say, you guys competed in what's called the National Invitational Rowing Championships. And basically, both teams won every single race, is the simplest way to put it, to qualify for the NCAAs for the women and what's called the IRAs for the men, respectively. For the men, that was very historic. Um, explain to our audience maybe why that was so important for the men and who they're going to be facing against next, perhaps. Well, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me on the show. That's, Absolutely. That, this is really cool. Um as far as why it's important, well, um, to be able to go to a postseason competition for our sport is is a real it's a real treat. Uh, there aren't a lot of postseason regattas out there, uh, and this is this is just the one that the the top end of all rowing is at this regatta. And there are the programs that go every year: Washington and Cal, and Harvard and Yale and Princeton. Um, you know, they go there and they're always looking for the win, whereas the small uh, varsity programs like ourselves are just uh, spending a decade or so hoping for that one shot of actually having the right lineup of people, the right amount of work. Every like a lot of things had to go right in order for that to happen on on Friday, and then to make it make it in there is really exciting. Yeah, because obviously you're going up against, as you mentioned, you know, yeah. schools that have. 10 times, 20 times as many students as Bates as a whole in general. And then, you know, on top of that, you're looking at, you know, Olympic level competition almost, right? Oh, these, they're Washington, Cal in particular, Mm -hmm. but a number of the Ivy League schools uh, that that occupy the D1 world, um, 
you know, they are recruiting on an international basis. Yeah. You know, one of our former assistant coaches went to Harvard. He's now an assistant coach at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And he's, he takes at least two trips a year to Australia and New Zealand and then one trip a year into Europe. Yeah. And so that's the amount of recruiting that's happening within our sport is they've got to go. They're looking for U23 and or junior national team athletes um, who are still interested in a college experience. Yeah. And then for Bates, the women are the defending NCAA champions. Uh, just to make something to clear, women's rowing is an NCAA sport, so our women compete at the NCAA championships. Men's rowing is not an NCAA sport, so they the highest level they can compete is IRAs, which they are yeah. doing this year. But tell me, you know, you're responsible for both teams. So yeah. you touched on recruiting. How do you go about getting this great collection of athletes that we've, uh, student athletes that we have now at Bates? Um, I have very good assistant coaches, <laughs> <laughs> for one thing, that are going to work real hard. Uh, Lizzie Kinney on the men's side, and then I've got uh, Haley Evine on the, on the women's side. And they, uh, they're just good workaholic people who I've, I've given them a lot of responsibility, particularly in the world of the recruiting. They do all of it. I mm -hmm. don't do anything other than I'll sit in my office and put on a, a nice smile when someone comes to visit or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but really, they're the, they're the ones that do 99% of the work for the recruiting. Um, after that, I put a lot of pressure on my captains for the teams as well as the coxswains, those little people that sit in the back of the boat and, and drive the boat because they're the ones that are literally keeping everyone safe out on the water. Right. So I can stand in my launch and ride around, and, and I've got boats that are as, as much as three or four miles apart all over the place. If I don't have coxswains who can keep everyone safe and have productive practices at the same time, then none of this stuff happens. They're basically so, like a, a, more coaches. They really yeah. are assistant coaches. Yeah, that's that. We we have a meeting at the beginning of the fall where we explain to them that your role as a coxswain is much more than than being just an athlete. They have to keep themselves a step away from the team in a way because they have to make those unpopular decisions at times. Um, for instance, so, compare it to like uh, if you if you sent fifteen college age kids in a van, there's only one person driving. Right. You want that person driving the van to be the most boring person on the entire group, right? <laughs> it's because they're the ones that are making sure everyone's going to come home alive. Right. Do you, do you recruit the coxswains? We do, yeah. Uh, we, we have a few that come to us with zero experience, um, but they, they have to work their way up the system a little bit. Um, you know, we have the, the top coxswain on the women's side. who She's in the varsity eight. She's a freshman, so she came to us from uh, the West Coast there. So she's doing really well. Well, and that's the great thing about rowing also is you do have, like, novice eights, right? There's the first varsity eight, which is what everyone knows probably they call it the varsity eight, second varsity eight, and then at the National Invitational we had the third varsity eight, and then the novice eight as well. So these are rowers who probably have either never rowed before or have very little experience, right? Yeah, um, exactly. You, you have some that are pure novices. You have some that come in with uh, a little bit of working experience. They may have gone sculling or something along those lines we have uh uh one person from jamin is his name he's from hawaii and he came to us with uh paddle boating or whatever the canoeing uh -huh. racing experiences that you would have in from hawaii um so you come in and people just have an interest in the sport and it's a work-based sport so you can do quite well with little very little skill at the beginning um and you can just work your way into a boat at some point mm. And the cool thing was, 
the, all those boats won their races this past Friday. I mean, every single Bates boat that the Bobcats entered won their races um, at this regatta. And it's a, that's the biggest regatta until you get to, like, NCAAs or IRAs. And that had never happened before for Bates, at least, right? Or no. maybe for any school. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, I don't know that anyone's out there keeping track of right. this sort of thing. Right, right, but right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that we've had a couple other schools similar to us who have had very, very good showings. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Williams has been right. in that area. Do I know of another team specifically that has won – all eight of the entries that they <laughs> that they had in there, I don't know, but right. I, I guess it's possible. When did you first get into rowing? Uh, I went to school at Hobart, mm-hmm. out in uh, upstate New York, and uh, I, I was I started out as someone who was interested in sailing, and they have a very good sailing team there. And I was told quite <laughs> quite abruptly that I'm just not going to be a very good sailor. I'm I may know how to get across the Atlantic Ocean and I can navigate my way down to the Caribbean and all that kind of thing. But sailboat racing in uh, the, at the collegiate level is all in 420s and lasers and these small dinghy boats where you have to, you know, you can't be too big because if you weigh too much, you're just going slow. Right. And I was too big right off the bat. So um, luckily someone in my dorm um, was his father had rowed for Marietta College in Ohio. And so he said, I'm going to go to the rowing meeting. Why don't you come with me? So I did. And that was it. all it took, to be honest with you, was that first meeting. Just meeting the coach was all I needed to be really excited about participating in that sport. And at what point did you start to think, oh, I want to coach the sport after I graduate? Um, well, I don't know that I actually ever really did know that I wanted to coach. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I had a 100-ton license. For a number of years there, I used to deliver private yachts up and down the coast. And um, when I graduated from college, um, I had lined up a number of jobs, taking boats down to Virginia and the Caribbean places. And uh, an old, a former Hobart classmate of mine, who was a senior when I was a freshman, he had gotten the job up at Colby. And he called me up and he said, I know you're not doing anything useful. Why don't you come up here and (laughs) and coach rowing? So I said, yeah, sounds good. i got to finish this this, uh, delivery. So I I took a 42-foot trawler down to Virginia, got on a plane, and then I was coaching uh, out of a canoe um, three days later. So from that point on, uh, the coaching thing really just fit for me. It it was something that was, I mean, about as natural as it could get. Well, it's a chance to come back to Maine, right, also? Because you grew up here, is that? Yeah. 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 Both my wife and I are from Maine, and so it was, It was once I got into the coaching uh, industry, the business of coaching, I had to leave Maine to find other jobs. Right. Um, and then it was 10 years of trying to get back here. There's only two jobs here. Right. The Bates job and the Colby job are the only two yeah. that are, you know, full jobs. Because Bowden's a club sport, right? Bowden's a club sport, yeah. 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 Bates and Colby are varsity, and then... Yeah. How did the Bates opportunity come about for you? Um, well, again, you're, you're really getting into the weeds here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just people you knew, right? Probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kind of, but uh, it, it, it was a it was an odd. My wife and I got married a week before, uh-huh. and then she went out back out to upstate New York to finish school, and I stayed here to be the assistant coach. So we spent our first year apart as a married couple, and. We made this conscious decision because our ultimate goal was to be able to live here. Right. And if I could live in Maine and coach rowing, then that right there would be the dream for me personally. Yeah. And for my 
you know our family i guess yeah um so it, it was a bit of a risk on on our part to do that and spend a year apart and um just hope that something would work out within whether it be Bates or Colby or maybe something developed over at Bowdoin we wouldn't know or any one of the other main schools might decide to start a rowing program right um, so it's, it's just a matter of trying to be in the right place at the right time and got lucky and then obviously the program has um, done quite well <laughs> in the last decade plus now 12 straight NCAA championship appearances now for the women, the fourth one coming up here in just uh, May 25th and 26th, I believe, there yeah. down in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, you, the success has to be beyond what you even thought was possible maybe when you first got here, right? I mean, 12 straight? What were you, I mean, yeah. someone had told you that with, along with two national titles, I mean, what would you have said? <laughs> Uh, 10 years ago, yeah. I, I, I felt pretty good about uh -huh. the things on the women's side because it is divided up into the divisions. Right. From D1, 2, and 3. And, yeah. And being that we're in the NESCAC and Bates is a great place to row, we have we have everything we would need to ha provide a, the good experience yeah. for a rowing team. Um, I felt confident that just with a matter of time, the women's program was going to perform the way it, it wanted to at mm -hmm. the top. The men going to the IRA, you could have asked me that question six weeks ago. And you would and, have been like... And I really would have been like, eh, I don't know, that's a pretty tall order. So. <laughs> well, we'll see, though. Well, yeah, because, I mean, first of all, the NESCAC, I believe, didn't even allow teams to go to IRA until, what, like two or three years ago? Uh, yeah, two years. Yeah. Last year was the first time that we would have been allowed to accept. Right. Yeah. But even with that, obviously Hobart men, your alma mater, mm -hmm. has dominated for so long yeah. that, I mean, I mean, I know, like, what, a couple years ago the guys finished, like, fifth there. Last year they mm -hmm. finished, I think, third or second, but still mm -hmm. got the NESCAC title by finishing ahead of the other NESCAC teams. But Hobart was always that team ahead of them. Yeah. And this year... Not only did they win, but Hobart finished third. I mean, there's the things changed a lot this year. It seemed like a little bit. He just yeah. he graduated a big group, right, uh, from the Hobart crew. Um, Marist came on real strong along with us, and a lot of this is just the, the timing of what classes you have with you. Sure, like, like we have a, a big senior class that's going to graduate. Right, twenty one total out of the two teams combined. That that's almost a third of the entire program. This is men's. No, no, total this is men, men and women, and okay, women okay. combined. Gotcha. That's a third of the entire boathouse is graduating. They're seniors this year, this year. right? Yeah. So, this so that that's a big, it's a big hit. But when you have that much seniority in the building, right? There, there is from the first boat down to the bottom boat. There's just this desire to perform at a very high level, because the seniors are on their way out. They want this to be the best ever. Yeah. Right. For themselves, they want to go fast, but. Then it gets a little bit more personal. They they really want to make sure that uh, when they leave, they're leaving the place on a high mark. Yeah, and rowers. I've interviewed a number of them here at Bates. Um, I'm I'm assistant sports information director over there. Just full disclosure. That's why we always have uh, Bates coaches on when I guest host. I like but, it. Uh, the <laughs> rowers are very very thoughtful about their sport. Yeah. Like to an outsider, it's like, oh well, it's a race. Fastest to the finish wins, right? <laughs> you know. But no, the rowers are very, very thoughtful. Roddy Pratt the other day, I mean, he he really there's a lot to, to that goes into it, isn't there? Yeah. Well, you <laughs> you also pick the right guy for one thing, <laughs> but uh, they have a lot of time to think. You know, yeah. this is a this is a work based sport. You yeah. you yeah. you just sit there and train. I was going to say it takes a special person to be a rower. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Probably true. It's like a yeah. cross country runner. He, yeah. Not everybody yeah. wants to do it. Yep. Yeah. It's similar to like Nordic skiing, sure, right? Mm. You just ha yep. or or uh, the swimming, 
right? These yeah. are the people that, that find rowing when they get injured. What what kind of things, we talked about it off the air before you, you, we started, uh, different kinds of techniques. I mean, you can't get in the boat every day and and roll the race like you're going to do on a on a weekend mm-hmm. uh, you can do intervals you, i mean there's all kinds yeah. of things you can do what what kind of things would you do that you think maybe are different from maybe what some other schools do and or what do they do for fun in a, on a practice time um i wouldn't well just to the first part of that what am i doing differently i've heard some very very good coaches at conferences and and other things say that the best coaches are are the best thieves you just steal from your competition Absolutely. whatever whatever they're doing just just give it a go you know let it let it ride for a week see what happens on on something that you learned from someone else and so yeah i've like certainly it. learned about what to do from a number of coaches but mostly what i've learned is what not to do mm. in many ways um our sport is just work based so if you can't find something fun in it then then you're probably in the wrong sport because the training is just brutal and constant. Yeah. It, it, I mean, relentless. you could overwork them, though. I mean, that you would absolutely be one of the can. Things. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is why, actually, last week with yeah. all that fog, it kind, it maybe it helped us out a little bit to have all that fog because it allowed us to rest or forced me to rest the athletes a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the fun part, um, I, as a coach, you you tend to read your athletes. I mean, you've had experience with that. You know that sometimes the the kids just show up and there's just there's just flat for no reason at all. Whatever the lack of energy, who knows what the cause of it could be. It could be barometric pressure. It could be the align, the stars aligning. Or <laughs> it could be whatever was on TV last night. Or maybe they all had a pizza. Who knows? Right. But um, there are things that you can do as a coach to kind of churn them up a little bit, get the spirit into them. Um, I'm not necessarily that loud of a coach all the time. I bet a lot of the athletes, if you were to ask them, would say that I, I don't talk a whole lot at all. Um, but there are those times, and actually this morning, funny that you bring it up, but the women were quite flat mm. this morning. Um, they are going through the business. They weren't bad. They just weren't, they weren't light. They didn't look like they were completely there. And so me kind of getting a little bit more excited, I altered the, the workout that we were going to do. I kind of changed the plan for the day mid-workout. Mid Right and just that's coaching and just make a change and and it just started to really liven up a little bit and ended up with people kind of I wouldn't say cheering but certainly gasping for air at the end of it uh, but it was a, ended up being a good workout. Do you ever do anything like uh, take four girls off your number one team and put them with the novice and switch the the groups and yeah. they kind of teach the others and that kind of thing? We do that pretty much all fall because we do get to have seven weeks of training in the fall. We call it even eights. That's in our sports. Even eights, called I like even that. Eights. Nice germ. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So we'll have uh, right now we have four eights of women, uh, plus a few extras, and we will work hard to try to set them up on certain occasions, where we try to make all four boats the same speed, mm. which is very nice. hard to do, but what it creates is this great inter squad competition, and. Just like you, you say, you've got I've got my top two women in, in one boat, and right behind them are probably two of the bottom people that will never see a, a second varsity eight, never mind a first varsity eight. And so they're in the boat with them, and they're learning from them. And when we have such a big group of seniors, um, I kind of told the kids this just yesterday, but 
when you have this many seniors and they are in every single boat from the top to bottom, they go, they start bridging the gap between being a good teammate and they enter mentorship. They start to mentor from, from behind the oar with someone else right there in the boat with them. And that's what we end up with with a lot of that even eight nice. stuff. Yeah. And I like the term, something yeah. they know what it is, yeah. just like that. So. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, and this past fall, you mentioned the fall training. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it was the head of Charles Regatta, which is probably the most famous rowing regatta in the world. Is that? I went to it. Yeah. I you, told him before. I went, to I went this fall. Yeah, there you I go. went this fall. Yeah. The, the women won the collegiate eights and set a course record. Now, obviously, yeah. that, that can always depend on the wind and everything. I, I think there were 16 <laughs> course, course records, <laughs> but but we we won the course record by a huge margin. And, in fact, second place also beat the course right. record. So yeah. it, was, it was a good day of racing. Ideal rowing conditions, it sounds like, that day. Uh, tailwind for m- much of the race course and the water was really warm mm. which you wouldn't think of at first but that makes a big difference yeah so the women won the collegiate eights and i believe that was the first varsity eight. the second varsity eight, what got like fifth place or something uh, yeah, yeah they were fifth, right yeah. there too right and then the first varsity eight for the men got third place the best finish ever there yeah. had the charles also but for those who don't know like had the charles is a totally different experience right because yeah. yeah. it's it's five kilometers basically yeah. compared to your two kilometers plus it has turns yeah and so i and mean bridges yeah so <laughs> you mentioned the fall training but so how do you balance that when you have this big regatta that just it's really nice but it's not your ultimate goal really which is the ncaa's or, yeah exactly yeah. but that's that's the reason that those races were invented mm-hmm. a number of years ago 50 60 years ago was because they fit into a 12-month training scheme. Okay. You don't train for the 2K, which is a VO2 max. Mm-hmm. You don't train for that year-round. Okay. You only, you know, if you take your, your year and you divide it up into basically four equal parts, just like the seasons, mm-hmm. right, we're training so that when we get to the spring, there's about a, a three-week period in the spring where everyone on the team is at their physical peak, their ability to perform at the, at the VO2 max level. Um, and what we do in the fall is it, that's your anaerobic work mm-hmm. workload. That's when we're working what would be based on something you could do for 20 minutes maximum. So you max out for 20 minutes. A VO2 max is maxing out for six to seven minutes. Interesting. Yeah. I, I want to go back. You're from Southwest Harbor, did yep. you say? Yeah. Mount Desert Island? Yeah. Is that where you went to school? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I went to, well, for high school? Yeah. I, I was at Camden for high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so just, you you had moved yeah. by then? Yeah, my uh, parents got teaching oh, okay. jobs down there. Great. It, so that's interesting having a life on the coast. Yeah. For when you're young. Yep. So you did everything around the water. Uh, oh yeah, I was I was sailing before I was walking. All, <laughs> that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 It's a hard life at sometimes for those people that learn make a living doing it. Yeah. But boy, it's great it's, and it's fascinating. Yeah, I, I, maybe that's part of what drew me to the rowing to begin with. Is uh, I, I have where I grew up, I have a lot of respect for people that work out on the ocean. Um, I knew a lot of fishermen, and I, I, I think I actually tell the story of the reason I went to and graduated from college was because I spent one week as a sternman on a, on a lobster boat. I mean, you want to know work. Yeah. Then you go. said, I can't do that <laughs> yeah. my whole life. Thank you. I was, yeah. I was just smart enough to say, maybe I'll try that college thing again. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why it attracted me to it. Between that and then the boat building world. Sure. That was the other half of it. Yeah. 
Nice. So, um, obviously, you are going to be a very, very busy man these next couple of weeks with uh, NCAAs down in Florida, and then IRAs are June 1 through 3rd in Mercer Lake, New Jersey. Yep. The return, though, for you, so where the women won the NCAA championship last year. So that must yeah. be kind of fun, right? <laughs> yeah. End, going it, back to that. <laughs> that was fun. And, and every all the women that are uh, on the trip, a good number of them were on that trip last year. Uh, a lot of the women are in the varsity eight from last year, and they, for them, it's I think more personal in that they really want to get that top spot. They want to have the win of the varsity eight, which we have not done yet right. at the NCAA championships. Yeah. So how that works, just so people know, NCAA championships, it's the first varsity eight race and a second varsity eight race, and they're each assigned points. So you yeah. get first place, you get a certain number of points. Um, the first varsity eight is weighted higher. But what Bates has done twice now is had their second varsity eight win their race, so get like the maximum points there. And the first varsity eight do well enough, basically, which is second place second typically. Place. Yeah, yeah, second yeah. place to have the points add up to a national title. Nice. Nice. Yeah. But what Bates yeah. is looking for this year is for that first varsity eight to get the goal because that makes yeah. the national title a lot easier. I would say. No, <laughs> well, it's true. It, it doesn't make it easier. It's three additional points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the team's result is the goal. Right. But when you're in the boat and you're in the yeah. race, it becomes very personal. Yeah. Can you tell uh, when you get to the those big big events? Yeah. Can you tell by looking at their faces, or their actions? They're 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 relaxed. They're tight. They're they're flat. All mm-hmm. the things you've just said about practice time. Can you feel that? And you said you're not much of a talker, but <laughs> do you think that what you say, a speech, yeah, helps or not? I th- well, it can. Uh, I've made a point of saying very little prior to a race. Um, they don't need to hear what I say. They just need to hear me. Um, I, I, I will speak for 60 seconds or less just before they get hands-on to put the boat in, and that's it. And all I'm saying is something they already know anyway, right? Yeah. But I'm, they need to hear me. Um, they need to get together as that group. They need to have the coach say, this is going to go well or, or this is – Here's some new small piece of information that you might want to consider when we launch that kind of thing. I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but we just mm-hmm. listened to a little clip from Brad Stevens, the Celtics yep. coach, yep. and the things he talked about before they went out were fundamentals. Yeah, do the, one, two, three, three little things that yep. every team probably should be doing. Yeah, but he he emphasized it, sent them out. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't like. Win win this one for the Gipper. And then yeah, that no. stuff. That yeah I, I don't do a lot pretty, of inspiration. Straight stuff. ahead. Yeah. yeah. What one one thing to think about with our sport is that since there's no timeouts, there's no communication with the coach mid competition, right? So a lot of what we do, we we spend a lot of time practicing the two hours before the word go. So we have it down to these four thirty minute increments. Nice. So you're you're peeling away the day you're peeling away everything that's on the outside of this competition you're peeling away the needs of your family or, or the school or the whatever's happening academically um, and then you start to narrow it even further because when we go to a big regatta we've got all the parents there in this big tent with a big barbecue kind yeah. of thing set up and you know that that's their whole part of it but we have to narrow the team slowly over this long period of time in order to get them to the point that when they launch they are, you know, they are ready to explode, right? But they're they're really focused on what they're what's ahead of them. So yeah. it's not that uh, any word from me is going to mean a whole lot, other than okay. So now that coach is here, we know 
right? Here we go. Flip the switch. That's the one of the most fun things for a spectator going to a regatta is there was a lot of food there. The parents, the parents do a great job yeah. with that kind of yeah, stuff, they don't do. they? <laughs> they really do. They go above and beyond. You know, it's funny. I mean, I, I just thing just came in my head, separate from coaching. But I can remember my wife saying when when uh, my my son was little, she used to say to me because I'm a high school principal. I dealt with high high school yeah. kids all the time. She said. We can't just say, okay, time for bed. Yeah. You got to say, okay, you got to do this, then we're doing that. So there's a routine. Yep. So when you get to this point, he knows it's time for bed and we're going to read a book or, you know, whatever. Right. It's exactly what that is. And that is your family. Yeah. For them, that's their family. Yeah. And they would do. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the cool things, I've been out to rowing practice a few times there on the Androscoggin River. The boathouse, obviously, in green is is new. It's about a year old now, probably, right? Yeah, two, yeah. two years. Wow, it's already been two years. Yeah. The crazy time is flying. Yeah. I, I do remember the old one, and um, yeah. it's funny. Uh, even the old one, though, Roddy Pratt, when the rose was saying, that was way nicer than the one I had in high school. <laughs> but the new one's like a palace. But you said yeah. it's not going to stop you guys from being the same gritty Bates team, right? No, not yeah. at all. Not at all. It, it, it's nice, and it's it, – I don't want to downplay it at all. It's more than adequate because it's a beautiful building on yeah. top of it. But it does what it's supposed to do, which is house the boats, keep them safe, give us a warm place to – stretch and give us a place to change and you know restrooms so there's nothing really fluffy or over the top about it at all the kids still arrive and stretch out outside they Mm -hmm. still do all the things that they need to do they stand in the rain when it starts raining we don't if it's really cold and raining we'll bring them inside but for the most part they just stand out there and and because no matter what you leave the building Right, everything on the river is exactly the same as yep. it was before when we had a pole barn and a dirt floor. <laughs> <laughs> do the dry land is there much? Dry, I call it dry land. Is there much yeah, dry yeah. land that you do off either off season or during the season? Yes. Yeah. They we have those rowing machines that they have indoors. I'm not allowed to coach them at all right. from uh, November one through February fourteenth. There's no coaching at all. The captains take over and sort of. Uh, lead the team in that sense. Um, but it's all about just pure mileage on those machines. Are the rowing machines open to any student at Bates? No, because it's in a fitness center? Or? Yeah, no, because it's owned but specifically by the team. It's team equipment as opposed to general student body equipment. Yeah, But they're in there quite a bit. You have to – the saying is that championships are won in the offseason, right? Absolutely. Everyone knows that. Well, well – we talk about this all the time. We talk about how November belongs to the sophomore class. And and whatever happens in November is a direct relation to what's going to happen come April. And we say that the sophomore class owns it because I've got seniors that are doing theses. I've got oh. juniors that are abroad. Right. right. And i got freshmen who are brand new and yeah. don't know. <laughs> Looking around. Don't even know where they are on campus yeah, half right, the time. Right, so, right. so the sophomores become sort of your upperclassmen they become the oldest ones that nice at that point they're the ones that are the most invested who are actually there mm. right i mean the seniors are trying to find jobs right you know, they, they there's a, they're under a lot of pressure yeah yeah well and then right now though it must be a nice time for the seniors because you know commencement coming up although that's always yeah. a, a race to get back for commencement right because you have the yeah for the women you have the grand final um on saturday commencement the very next day on sunday right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the grand finals are right around noon on saturday and then yeah and then uh we usually 
get them back as quickly as we can. Sometimes they, a few of the parents will go rogue and buy plane tickets ahead of time, especially if we're coming back from California. Yeah. Uh, this one where the whole group is coming back on Saturday. Mm hmm. The whole team, yeah, the whole okay. team. Mostly yeah. because I need to get back, right? You know, I've got I've got a whole other team that's still yeah. training at that time, and so I got to get back up here. Yes, yeah, definitely a very exciting time for uh, Bates rowing and um, the sport in general. I'm just curious, like, how have you seen it grow or change over the your more than a decade plus of coaching here? Not yeah. maybe Bates specific, but just in general, how have you seen it? Yeah, I, this is my 21st year coaching. Yeah, and. Uh, there have been a, a huge number of new Division One programs. Mm. You look throughout the Midwest, you know, there's almost every Big Ten school now has a women's program. And they all maintain somewhere between 60 and 80 female athletes. Mm. Um, you look at any one of the major universities across the country, and they are all considering rowing as one of those things. Women's rowing is the football uh, counterpart. Right. Right. So right. In terms of like scholarships and stuff. For scholar, one. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it just, it gives you a whole lot of roster spots. Yeah. It's very flexible in the size and scope of it. Um, and they're also discovering that, that we have a lot of women and women in this country who have never been athletes before. And they're, they're entering college at 18 years old, never really been told that they're going to be that athletics is an option for them. They might, they might already be six, one or six, two, mm. And probably always felt like they were odd in some way, but then they find this place where there's a bunch of women that are six feet tall, and then all of a sudden they stand up taller and they realize I, I can be an athlete. This is great, and this is happening across the country. So, if there's one thing that's changed in the 20 years I've been involved. It's that is the biggest thing by far. Excellent. Yeah. So you're telling me you have a tall team? We do have does a tall it, team. Does it make a yeah. difference? Yeah, it's pure leverage. Yeah. Yeah, if, if. I mean, I was thinking about when you were talking about athletes, you know, there's no ball skill, there's no hand-eye coordination, there's mm -hmm. no, you know, it's it's grit. I mean, there is yeah. a rhythm, of course, to it, but it's grit. I mean, yeah. it's a sport of grit. It really is. Well, you, like you said. I mean, you were a baseball coach? A little bit of everything. So, he, he, coaches, yeah. he goes everything. <laughs> so, so you would know that there's a lot of mechanics in oh. the baseball swing, in the golf swing, right? But there's also you hand a kid a golf club and then put a ball in front of them and say, hit it. Well, they're, they're about 75% there at their, their permanent and forever swing because it's all based on your own body, right? All the, the dynamics that makes up what your body is designed to be, right? So within rowing, we have to try to find a way to take eight baseball swings. We have to try to find a way to take eight Nordic skiers and put them onto two skis and make them go the same speed together. Um, and that's really where the art comes in. So there is skill. You can go a long way with just power, mm. right? It's a power endurance sport. Um, so you can get a long way with that, but the saying that we have is, uh, you know, the, the erg score gets you into the grand finals. The skill gets you the medal. Nice. Because the grand finals means you're top six. But nice. You want to be... First, second, or third, you better have a high level of skill as well. And obviously the Bobcats have that. A tremendous season <laughs> and continues for both the women. Uh, NCAA is coming up in about a week, a little over a week. Yep. And then the IRAs for the men, June 1 through 3rd again. So that's very exciting. 
And if you haven't checked out the Bates Boathouse and what, what the Bobcats do, uh, we do have some regattas in the spring. They've already happened, obviously, this year. But uh, stay, you can go to GoBatesBobcats.com, and we have the President's Cup Regatta and also a Bates Invitational, and you can come out and check that out next spring uh, when, <laughs> once again, we'll uh, be at the boathouse and everything. And hopefully they can get out on the water a little earlier next year. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. But uh, certainly, obviously, the results have been great. Now, you don't have meats on the Androscoggin. We have two. Oh, you do? Yeah, two regattas, yeah. yep. Yeah, two oh. small regattas. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Bates yeah. invites some teams and beats them every time. And nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that's the end of that. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll see some Bates victories for sure. Yeah. Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us here. Yeah, thank you for having me. And we'll be back with more in just a moment here on the B-List Daily. This is Sports Time 780 and com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. Remember when your kids spent vacation week telling you how bored they were? Yeah, you're going to have to have a whole summer of that. Until you remember. Registration is now open for University of Southern Maine's summer camps. They've got basketball, they've got soccer, they've got ice hockey, and they have a ton more. I haven't even scratched the surface on this. Find the registration links now. Go to usm.maine.edu. That's usm.maine.edu and search summer camps. University of Southern Maine summer camps where kids should spend the summer. We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1 888 980 WAVE. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. 
If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! Bealus Daily here on Sports Time 780, live online at sportstimemain.com. Thanks to Peter Steenstra for stopping by, the head coach of the Bates women's and men's rowing programs, both of them having really great seasons, historic seasons. Historic is great. It's yeah. great. And they're just getting better and better as the women will look to defend their NCAA title coming up in just over a week, and then the men will go to IRAs, the um, Intercollegiate Rowing Association National Championship Regatta. June 1 through 3. So very exciting. The the interesting thing for me sitting across from you and sort of beside the coaches that have come in, mm-hmm. uh, I've said it a couple times. First of all, I've learned something from every single one of them. Yeah. 
I thought I knew everything. <laughs> and evidently I did not. Um, but uh, they're all very different. Right. Their personalities are different. It, it, I mean, it tells you that there's no one style of coach that works for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all a little different. They, they have different uh, styles you can see. Uh, but what you do see is every one of them, and it has to be this way, love their sport. Yeah. They care about their kids. And they have a plan. I've not heard one coach come in and said, you know, in essence, we roll a ball out and they play. <laughs> no. They uh, they have a plan. They know what they want to do with the group. I love the uh, his description of um, the off season. Never really thought about it that way, but, but it happened to my daughter. I, you know that she, I've said many times that she played two sports at Con College and she was a captain in, in uh, ice hockey. Mm-hmm. Her junior year... She went abroad to Australia. Yeah. Missed the last, I think, four hockey games. Right. And it broke her heart. But she said, she went to the coach. Coach said, hey, you come to a NESCAC school to experience all of those things. No, you're going. He pushed her out the door. There's none of this. I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay. No, you're studying abroad. That's why, that's one of the reasons you're here. And I, I love that about NESCAC, about, you know, where's the focus? Where's the emphasis and whatever? And surprised, and it didn't hurt at all because she got elected captain anyway. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, but uh, uh, I love what he said about the off season. The freshmen are so new after after the fall workouts, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, the 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 seniors are looking for jobs and making sure they graduate, and the juniors are studying abroad. Right. So who's left? Well, the sophomores, and they become. And you know what? It's great for them. Yeah. To learn how to take that leadership. So that they are, you know, not just the captains or the seniors or leaders on a team. You have others, and they they learn that in the fall. It's great. I love it. It's absolutely yeah. That's gr- a great philosophy. It really is, and it's definitely uh, worked quite well because <laughs> they're they're definitely uh, rolling over the competition right now. Now, so. speaking of sports at Bates, have yeah. you heard? Um, he mentioned it after he after he got done. Uh, the football position is open. Web is, uh, is <laughs> I retiring. have no idea about that one. This, so there's no, there's I, I no know scuttlebutt? There's a search committee in there looking. Um, so, uh, did, I, did I always say to you that I thought that, that they should hire an interim? This is awfully late. You know. Well, they have assistants who are still there who are doing recruiting and, and touching but, base. Yeah, but what I mean yeah. is the new coach is going to come in. He will have met no one on his team until the season starts because of the NESCAC rules. Mm. If you – would it take somebody on that staff? Well, they can't work with them now anyway. No, but I yeah. mean just, just to be here. <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah. and uh and whatever. Um Well Skip Capone's still there. Yeah. And Skip obviously has been there for over two years. He was the one years. that came to mind because so, he'd been there so long. He's still there and there's a couple other assistants uh, helping out. And, and they're gonna stay on? Is that how does I mean how does it's, it's probably do up that? it's probably up to the new coach. I have no idea. Um and so I mean I know there's a search committee and I think by the time June rolls around, we'll have a better idea of what's going to happen. So we'll, we shall see. I don't really know much about so, it. Though. So you haven't you haven't tuned into whether you got a good list of candidates <laughs> or if there are many. Or? As a sports information person, I try to wait till things are official until I know anything because I don't need to know 
well, the, I don't really need to know the process, to be quite honest. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me too much. Uh, once we, uh, once so we you and I someone, are different. I'd be so nosy. I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have, to have my fingers no, in No, I, I try not to know too much. I just uh, Once we know who it is, uh, that'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to interview yes, the new person and yeah, yeah. find out what direction they want to take the program because, obviously, uh, they've been running the option for quite a few years now, uh, and, and that's a system. And do you do you go in and maintain that system, or do you almost go all in of college football has gone to the spread now that you guys? Well, have it's been it's a spread option. It's yeah, not it's like a spread a, option. It's not like a and triple option, but <laughs> no, but it's still a read in there. And, yeah, there's and a it, read, mm-hmm. and it puts a tremendous hurt on the defense because you can run that good run game inside, and still have a lot of wide receivers where the people have to cover. So they the defensive backs can't play in the alley. I call them the alleys all the time off tackle and, and tackle that running play for no loss for no gain. They there's too many other things for them to cover. It's like the old the old option where teams would arc the tight end mm-hmm. and the reason they could do that their tackle blocked down and they left the tackle unblocked. That's the guy who option. Right. And then you if you give it or whatever if you give it you don't care about the rest. If you keep it the fullback actually blocks the tackle. Yeah. And then you option the end. Well, when you release the tight end, the strong safety who's on the on the tight end can't come up because he's going up for a pass. You got to cover him. Mm-hmm. If you come up to tackle the option and take the pitch, he's going to run by. And if the quarterback pulls it out and he throws a pass, a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, I watched when Oklahoma first, Oklahoma Texas first started. That's where that originated. A tight end was an All American. I mean, they, every time he touched the ball, it was a touchdown because people. And it makes you play what they call assignment football. Yeah. Everybody has a job to do on every play. And mentally, it, it it's fatiguing, number one. And if one guy makes a mistake in that assignment, it's potentially a touchdown because what you're trying to break down is two-on-one. You're trying to get a two-on-one wherever you can in any option. Yeah. You want a two-on-one against somebody. If somebody makes a mistake, it's a touchdown because those guys can run. So the spread offense... And and they can there are different things with it. Some of the teams have run what I call the wing T, the old old yeah. style wing T sure. from the spread. Right. From the spread. Same rules. Yeah. Same blocking assignments. Right. And when you run that guy in motion and he's either you can either give it to him Wells the, doesn't do that from the spread. No, no, Wells is just wing T. Straight tea, wing T. Yeah, they don't do that. I'm just saying you can do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that Mike Hathaway's done at Levitt is when he started with the spread, he ran the wing tee with a spread formation, really. Mm-hmm. And now he's he's modified it to meet other needs. But yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that whoever the, uh, Bates does end up hiring to be the new head football coach will bring in the, their system, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes and everything. What do you got? Sort of sports, sort of sports related. <laughs> Michigan State agrees to a $500 million settlement with survivors of the sexual assault scandal involving Larry Nasser. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State, that's a mess right now. That but you know, it is... doesn't seem to me, I don't know, I, I'm i not in the punishment business, but I think a lot of people got off pretty light on that. Well, they've at least put Larry Nasser in jail, and then yeah. I don't know what you but do But I mean, there are a lot of people that... I think the president stepped I, down. He stepped down, but, but people have to know that something yeah. was going on. I don't know. I suppose like the, It was like you the lose Penn your... State situation where the president actually got prosecuted, right? Yeah. The athletic director. Yeah. yeah. Well, they covered it up. They knew. Right. And they covered it up. Yeah. Two, he and the AD both got prosecuted, I yeah, believe. Two Big Ten schools there. Yeah. Not exactly uh, doing so well. Well, I, it, it's been discouraging for me to watch. There's been more of that. A U.S. Olympic team, there's, there's 
Yeah, U.S. Other swimming, stuff. right? I think. Oh, gymnastics. U.S. gymnastics. Yeah. Uh, it just because uh, he was connected with yeah US so gymnastics, much stuff, so. and it's like yeah. who's taking care of our kids? Right. Yeah. That is for high school teacher. That scares me. We take care of our kids. And the thing about those things is like it's not even a case of we're like like overworking them or something. It was like abuse and like like really horrible abuse. And in, and in case yeah. of the gymnastics team. I mean, think about this. You've worked forever to be on this team. Right. Or to even be in the larger program as a whole. Yeah. And then you go to somebody and tell them, this person is doing things that I don't think are right. But you kind of, it's high stop. You don't want to lose your spot on this team. Right. You know, you've worked so hard. You don't want to, you don't want to upset the apple cart, you know. And when you're young, actually some people when they're older, you you stop buying into that. Yeah. Maybe I'm just imagining. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's miserable. What a horrible environment. Yeah. So and, five hundred uh, million dollars. That's um. I mean, I guess. I mean, how much is enough, right? I don't know. Well, it's interesting what what a university might a college might have available for money. Yeah, it's a believed to be the largest settlement ever in a sexual misconduct case involving a university. Do you think that that's they, over three hundred and thirty-two people? So, five hundred million dollars, three hundred thirty-two people will split that, I guess. So, million and a half a piece. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. My math is not great. Is um, your kids? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, psyche worth a million really, and a half dollars? Yeah, you, you can't, can't put a price you on can't it, put can you? It, no, you can't. Yeah, that's the thing. Three hundred thirty-two. Yeah, a little over a million and a half for each person. So. Well, you mean that main graduate actually did that in his head? No, I did that. That's pretty, no, no, me, the main oh, graduate. Oh, you, did, yeah, you, I the was main graduate. Did it yeah. in my head. So pretty. Rachel DeHollander, the first woman to publicly accuse Nasser of what he did, um, said, I'm very happy we're done, that we're done with litigation. I'm very grateful for the historic number that acknowledges some of the hardships that these women have suffered. I'm also very disappointed and they missed opportunity to create meaningful policy changes. So that's obviously still you something. You are... A parent of a senior girl, let's just say, you sent him to Michigan State. No, I, I yeah, nowhere near Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, they, this is going to cost them a lot more than yeah, five hundred fifty million dollars. And and for Michigan State, like, it's so like Nasser did what he did, it's just terrible. But like the cover up and stuff is going to make the, it worse. It's always the cover up. Yeah, guys. it's going to make it worse for you as an institution. Just. They should have addressed it when they first knew about it, but they didn't. And now they are literally paying for it. And obviously, many people have lost their jobs, and maybe well, there will be more prosecutions coming. So. Now, they've, they've amended that. Five and a million settlement with 332 people includes $75 million for f- potential futures. So they're not all going to get They're not going to get a million and a half. They're probably going to get about a million. Oh, okay. Not quite. Some of it's set aside for future possible yeah, future. Maybe 1.25, okay. something like that. Well, yeah, it's scary. I you just hate to see things in that happen. That's you know, as high school people, when you interview coaches and whatever, I mean, that's one of the things you got to monitor all the time. Not that you're suspecting everybody, but you got to keep an eye on what this person has an interesting relationship with their kids. I need to keep an eye on that. Right. You know, that, I mean, you always have to be aware. 
there could be something potential there. So it's kind of a downer to end the show on a little. Yeah, bit. that was. But, I, uh, sorry, it is it's breaking news. It it's popped up news. on my phone. Sorry, yeah. folks. No, I, no, it's okay. It's but uh, breaking news. We should report it for sure. Danny and I would say it's sunny out. Uh, yeah, the temperature's <laughs> rising a little bit. Let's see what baseball games do we have today. Uh, there's there's lots of baseball games going on. Uh, let's see. Are the Red Sox playing? Where Red Sox that? play tonight against. Uh, Oh, Oakland. This is Oakland the Trevor last. Cahill versus Chris Sale. Sale tonight. day. Sale day. Seven ten Eastern time. A home game for the Red Sox. The Yankees Ye- are still in Washington. The Yankees um, are yeah they're it's at a, Washington. Well, they got a it's a it's it an ESPN game. Postpone- well, it got. Uh, oh, they were three three tie suspended, and they yeah. got to start at five o'clock. Oh, okay. Finish one game. Okay. Pitch into then the second one. Yeah, I see that. Interesting. The second game is Sabathia. Sabathia and Scherzer. That's yeah. a pretty good tilt. That'll be on ESPN tonight at seven o'clock. So you can switch back and forth between Nesson and uh, ESPN to watch the Red Sox. So you know, you asked me the question. I told you how I felt. Would you let uh, Robinson Cano in the Hall of Fame? Would I let him in? Well, I mean, would you vote him in if you were a voter? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess it kind of depends on who's on the ballot and everything. Sometimes, some years, because sometimes. I mean, I, there's guys like Barry Bonds who are still on the ballot and stuff. No, but, but what I mean is, I mean... Yeah, I would, well... Because she's on your team. I'd right? have to, well, no, i have to look at his career because, honestly, I was looking at, like, his career, and he definitely has a Hall of Fame case. I don't think he was a lock, though, before this. That's the only thing. Like, it, it, it obviously always depends on how um, strict you are about, you know, what... You let who you let all in, the in Hall or of all fame. out? Yeah, all in, all uh, out. Career three hundred four average. That's very good. Career three fifty four on base. That's that's not bad. I mean, that's not elite or anything. Three hundred five home runs for a second baseman is obviously nothing to sneeze at. Five hundred twenty two career doubles is is tremendous. And so I think he definitely has a case. Um, if you're into the advanced stats, he's had a number of terrific wins above replacement seasons including 2010 where he was worth 8.1 wins above a replacement player 2012 8.4 those are both hall of fame seasons no doubt about that he's had about six or seven no doubt hall of fame seasons and a few other very solid seasons over 14 years but the thing is like he was having a great year this year at age 35 and now maybe we know why he was having a great year this year at age 35 and so doesn't look good that's the concern uh, for me, at least. Obviously, he was an all-star the past two years. Won't be an all-star this year, I would imagine. <laughs> um, Probably not. And before the 2015 season, he had been an all-star five straight years, including his first year with Seattle. So that only really measures your first-half performance. But, you know, he's been getting MVP votes a lot of the years as well. Has never been the MVP, but has finished as high as, uh, looks like, third in the voting. Do you think... Uh it's a tough one for me. I never discussed this with Matty because he discussed it with him, of course, mm-hmm. that he would leave the Yankees to go someplace where he's never seen again. You know, I mean, okay. that that's kind of the <laughs> East Coaster. That's kind of the feeling. No, he's I out understand. There, we don't the even know. start really late. He's still on a team, whatever. Games start really late. You know, yeah. uh, but I said, you know, we, we can all make light of, yeah, the Yankees would have paid him decently, but somebody offers you gigantic amount of money. To play the sports you love. Now, everybody wants to win. Now, there's any question about that. It's America. Yeah. A, a tremendous amount of money to go to a team that's pretty good, and you might make a pretty good difference mm-hmm. out of the spotlight, out of all the New York newspapers and whatever. And the downside is what? That you're not playing for the Yankees, and maybe the rest of your career you're not going to play for the World Series championship. Right. Right. Is that 
Is that okay? Cano's I mean, a different what? cat. He's. I mean, he. I know Yankee fans always got frustrated because he'd never run balls out, and he still doesn't do that. Hits a ground ball to second and gives up on it. Yeah, he'll I hit a ground ball to third. And I don't up care on for it. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you look at his similarity scores on Baseball Reference. They they compare him to like different hitters throughout history. His most similar batter is Miguel Tejada, probably not a Hall of Famer. Joe uh-huh. Torre, not a Hall of Fame no, player. No. Um, maybe he should have been. I don't know. Michael no. Young, Scott Rowland. Wow, there's no Ryan Sandberg, Maglio no. Ordonez. Um, but age through age thirty four, you do see some Hall of Famers. Um, after Joe Torre, <laughs> Yvonne Rodriguez is probably should be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think another, he is. Yeah, another PED guy, I think though, even though uh, they never caught him. Yeah, I mean it was mentioned in the book. Like now he's skinny. Go. Adrian Beltre is probably a Hall 3, of Famer. Three thousand hits. Cal Ripken is obviously a Hall of Famer. George Brett. So through thirty four. Yes, some of these comparisons line up to the Hall of Fame, but now you throw in this steroid thing, and it's kind of up in the air. It'll be it'll be interesting. Won't yeah, it? I'd have to. I mean, when he's eligible, I have to look at the ballot and see. Okay, who else is on here? I have ten votes. Do I want to use them all? Um, <laughs> I w- I would lean. I I, I want to see what he does from here on out. He's been suspended. Does he come back stronger than ever? Does he come back weakened? Yeah, and they find well, we find out he's going to bat two sixty from here on. That kind of thing. Right. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. If he if he if he has if he goes on to have three or four more good seasons, then I might put him in. Because I still maintain and doesn't test positive again. The PEDs is not about they hit for higher average. What the PEDs for me is all Longevity. about is well, uh, yeah, and you don't you, instead of getting all worn down, right. It keeps you on an even keel. Yeah. The injuries don't pop up as much because you're more you, right. your body's more Yeah. Anyway, that's we're completely that's out of time. <laughs> it's twelve oh one. Sorry. Gotta sign off. But uh right now it's a wait and see for me at Robinson Cano. My name's Aaron Morse. He's Coach Dave Wing. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the B List Daily on Sports Time seven eighty.